0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, Baum, Rosenbaum. Which one is it? Because I've heard contentious. Tyler's here with me. I Tyler's uh, on the episode. Rosenbaum is what my dad would say is correct. Baum sounds cooler. Rosenbaum or Michael Rosenbaum? Right. Doesn't. But uh, this guest, he's been a friend of mine for a while, and you know, I'm excited to call him a friend. <laughs> but uh, he's a legend. He's he's got so many hits. He played a couple on the show. These were unedited. We didn't fuck with them at all. He's that good. His tone is still perfect. He's tours everywhere. He's played with everyone. He's written songs for everybody. Richard Marks, If you don't know him, this is a great interview. He really talks about everything. About it's amazing how the mind works, Tyler. Right? You talk to you hear him talking about like I knew I could do things. It's like I don't know. It's the confidence that he had, and he he articulates it better, but. It's just like how them you know if you're always fearing things, if you're then then you're gonna fail. You're going to do these things, but if you just change the way you think.
1: And he has like a thousand showbiz stories with like Lionel Richie oh, and Barbara man. Streisand oh, and dude, all kinds of people.
0: Dude. Yeah, and I could see it's funny because while was playing, I looked over at you and you were like kind of like a kid too. You're like you are right. a kid. Yeah, but you were kind of like, twelve. You were smiling, you're happy because it was so good. And you saw how happy I was. I really this is an episode that just really genuinely made me smile and happy and um it just brought back a lot of memories and he's one of the good ones in the business inside of you is brought to you by rocket money. I love rocket money. You know why? because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money. It's just throwing away money, Ryan.
2: I I found one. You and you did it. You told I me found, I got Rocket Money. Okay, like I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs>
0: yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget. After this trial period, it kicks in and they're charging you 10 bucks a month. It is embarrassing. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra. Uh, Between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about.
2: All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by NeuroHacker. Qualia Synalytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, for up to $100 off, and use
2: code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. So let's get inside Richard Marks.
0: It's my point
3: of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum.
0: Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Can you turn my headphones down a hair? How about yours? Are yours loud? I'm good. You're good? I'm kind of going deaf, so. Are you? Well, you're a musician. All
1: musicians go deaf. you know, there's no no, uh, free lunch when it comes to that shit. I've got raging tinnitus. I called it tinnitus my whole life, and I'm finally surrendering to the real.
0: Is it really tinnitus?
1: It's tinnitus. Like, why can't they just say, no, we're going to call it tinnitus, because it is a much more pleasing word for a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing, plus it's a fucking
0: horrible word. You really have tinnitus? (laughs) Do you really, though? Yeah, really bad. So explain your tinnitus. (sighs) Nice tinnitus, by
1: the way. You have beautiful tinnitus. Nice set of tinnitus. Tinnitus, for those who uh, don't know what it is, and you're lucky if you don't know what it is, it's tinnitus. For those of you who don't know what tinnitus is It's tinnitus Oh right tinnitus the ringing in your ears Why didn't you say so Is it really bad ringing It's really bad It's 24 hours a day And it's uh, I mean everybody I think cases of it are different person to person Mine are multiple really super high frequencies In both ears that 24 hours a day I no matter what's going on I hear like really loud in both ears so How do you
0: not go crazy?
1: I don't, I so far I've been really, I've had it for decades I was, I'm was. i aware of it, it has gotten worse in the last couple of years But if you really think about it, it can make you claustrophobic it can, And people have killed themselves over it That's what know? I was just going
0: to say, I've heard that I stuff I just
1: sort of go, okay, it is just, it's It's what it is and, and now I'm really looking into some alternative therapies for it just to see But it, it's not, it doesn't keep me up at night, you know
0: It's just oh, always there It's annoying It's annoying it's like, you know, pain. It, in a, it would be in a, lovely to not have it. Yes. It's like having like a pain or something that it's annoying. It's not killing you, but it's right. always there. Right. It's like a toothache in a way, but not as bad. Right. I think I would actually prefer tinnitus to a toothache. Tinnitus. Tinnitus, tinnitus to a toothache. That yeah. should be a uh, something an actor says yeah. before they perform. <laughs> tinnitus for a toothache. It's a Toothcake, sick i said toothcake.
1: um but enough about my tinnitus yes um it,
0: it is drag though richard marks thank you for allowing me to be Dude, inside of you i'm sorry it's taken me so long to let you inside of me no well you know <laughs> that's, that's a very good answer um
1: but i you know i had to, I had to pace you
0: <laughs> yes you, you did you know, a little bit at a time I need a little pacing how do we meet do you remember how we met i do i think we met on twitter we did yeah I tweeted something and then you responded and I couldn't believe Richard Marx was, was actually tweeting me, and it was something and then we started direct messaging and you said that your family would all watch. it was one thing that the family got together and did was watch Smallville, yeah, which I thought was freaking awesome, yeah.
1: And I think it was one of my sons who saw your tweet and and told me because I think he followed you on Twitter or something and um, this was really early Twitter days for me. Yeah, I was a late, a late. That's Twitterer. true because
0: you didn't have any followers because you just started like a day ago. Yeah, and now you've got
1: tons of followers. Well, no, I mean, but it was—I was late to that party on purpose. I just—I I thought it was bullshit. But, but I realized that the real value of it, aside from some other sort of, I find it creatively interesting over the years. But some of the interactions I've had with people have been really great. And you were probably one of the first people that I—I I responded to you when I think it was Lucas or Jesse that told me about it, and we loved that show so much. And so you and the whole cast were a part of our every Sunday night, we would have pizza and watch Smallville. And it was like a ritual. It was one of the, one of the few family rituals that lasted for years. Because if you can find a show that everybody wants to watch, and one of the things that we used to do, it became this joke, my kids would, every once in a while, there would be a shot of Tom Welling. And my, all of my sons would look at me like, is it this one? Is it this one? And what, what they'd be looking at me for is the one time there was an episode and I went, did you guys ever notice that there's always one moment in every Smallville episode that if you could freeze frame it and caption it, it would be world's most handsome man. <laughs> Wasn't he gorgeous? He was, I mean, as a straight man, I don't sure. know that there was anybody yeah. in his prime on that show. I don't think there's ever been a more handsome, maybe Elvis in his prime.
0: I mean, he uh, he was gorgeous. I mean, yeah. yeah, and he yeah, I remember him giving me mouth to mouth resuscitation. You enjoyed it? Is it resuscitation? 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 It's, yeah. T- resu- resu- it's t- tinnitus.
3: tinnitus.
0: <laughs> See, we're on the same page. We've we've been on the same page. But I, I look, I love hearing that story. And and then you were so gracious because we just started talking. I was like, hey, you want to come down to Indiana where I grew up? I'm making this right. low budget raunchy film called Back. And they like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you want to come down, and then I'll cut you out of it later. Oh, I knew. You, you know what's funny is you're still in the end credits. Oh, I am. Yeah, uh, because it was a small, cool little part, and then we just look. We should have cut out other stuff. <laughs> we should have kept you in there. No, it, it wasn't was fun. For, it wasn't for performance. It just didn't make sense. We were trying to, and then but then you like gave me a song. Oh right, that's right. I did. You gave endless summer nights. I did, and I did, in fact. I mean. I, I'm forever grateful because you made my dream come true of, of A, making a movie, a, B, having uh, Richard Marks' song in there, which fit perfectly. And it right? didn't cost you anything. And it didn't cost me. Because that song probably would have cost me, I'm guessing, upwards of twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 $50,000. Yeah, ish. $50,000. What's the most you've ever gotten for one song in a movie? Uh, a tremendous amount. I wouldn't tell you what it is. Would you it's... say 500000 Yeah. When your agent called you and said you're making five hundred thousand or more, it was
1: for a feature film though. What film? I'm not going to tell you because the movie tanked. But the song I like
0: the movie Tank. <laughs> it wasn't that one.
1: No, I I wouldn't tell you, but it was um it was in the '90s and and we just negotiated this crazy. It's called a sync synchronization fee. Right. And the so- and it was. Really, I agreed to it a because the money was really great, but also because it, I thought, oh, this is going to be a really nice little promo. This will help support the song. Yeah, the movie came out and just died in one weekend, and the song still went into the top ten. You know, a couple wow. months later. So it did great for you. It was it was a win win for me on every on every. What level. song but, was it? You allowed to say that? Yeah, now and forever. Now and forever. But that world of sync you know people using your songs and movies and stuff has become really even more valuable than ever
0: because you know we don't really get paid too much for our songs on the radio anymore no in fact if you don't tour if you don't i mean you gotta tour but I don't like the Spotify thing, because I don't understand. It's like, why not just sell your songs? If people want to get your songs, why not put them on iTunes? Why would the Eagles or Richard Marks or anybody put them on Spotify? Because I know, look, cumulatively, you know, in a year you go, hey, I got paid X amount of dollars. That wasn't yeah, but too... It's, but it's, it's minimal, isn't it's it? It's
1: really, really minimal. It's, not, it's no comparison. Do you... Yeah. Um. It's... Look, I don't... You. I think everybody that would be listening to this would be bored out of their fucking minds. No way. But we'll be quick about it. The streaming services, uh, Spotify... Pandora, even YouTube, they're, they're trying to pay songwriters, like, it's 0.0000001 yeah. cent. Yeah. Um, even though they're making billions of dollars using our music, okay? The only company that sort of got it and came to the party is Apple Music. So it's still streaming, because I don't know if you heard that, like iTunes is going away. You can't just go and download a song anymore on iTunes. I you think
0: know? you can. I think that's not going away for a while. I just read that thing, but there's some discrepancy where I think I you, know, you can still do it, but it's separate... It's a totally entities, separate world. It's a separate world, but you could still do it. But, but isn't that the idea of like, hey, you might get 60 cents per dollar on iTunes? Isn't that the way to go? Like, Sure. But why did you sign on for Spotify? Was it not your choice?
1: It, yeah. I'll, ultimately, I could take a stand and say I'm not putting it on there. But that's just the whatever the little income of that is is taken away as well because it's it's really – it kind of feels like if you can't beat them, join them. You know what I mean? Mm. So – what a lot of us do is we allow our music to be streamed on on those streaming services, but we also bitch and moan about it and, and petition Congress to change the laws. <laughs> yeah. And you know, while we're waiting, we're still getting paid like a you know a meager amount, right? I don't know. I think it's all going to shift in the next couple of years. But circling back to touring, if I didn't have a catalog of songs to tour on, I'd be fucked. I would yeah, be like, and You' have for- a
0: catalog. I do. By the way, I, I didn't realize you sang this song or wrote this song. You didn't sing on it. Mm. What about me? You know that song, dude. What about me? If time
3: my... after time, I feel I'm <laughs> losing my mind. <laughs> well,
1: maybe that was one of the first
0: Kenny Rogers, Kim Carnes, James, James Ingram. Ingram, rest in peace. Ah, uh, who else? Is that was it the yeah, three? three. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love. I play that song all the time. Really? I was like,
1: Richard wrote that. Yeah, me and David Foster and Kenny Rogers. So here, a lot, nobody knows the backstory on that song, and you're because you're the only person that knows that song.
0: Hey <laughs> no.
1: Actually, it was number one on the uh, one of the charts. R and B charts or something. It was yeah, it was an R and B hit. But I think it was like adult contemporary or something. It was, right. and it was a top twenty single on the Hot 100. Anyway, it was a hit. By the way, am I allowed to play a snid bit of it, or yeah, will I get in ahead. trouble? No, go. But go ahead, keep talking. The original version of this right. was written by myself. David and Kenny, to be a trio between Kenny Rogers, Lionel Richie, and Barbra Streisand. And in the 11th hour, Lionel bailed out for whatever reason. Barbra was still in, but then she wanted all these rewrites on the song. And so finally, Kenny went, fuck it. And so then it became Kenny Rogers, Olivia Newton-John, and Jeffrey Osborne. Ooh. And that was recorded, and it was really,
0: really good. So, Wow, so those people like lost out on a great song. Well, no, they recorded it, and then... Well, Jeffrey Osborne recorded it then.
1: He did, with Olivia Newton-John and Kenny. And then there was some artist, I won't say, who threatened to sue Olivia because he had a duet coming out with her. And so she had to pull out of the recording. And then something happened with Jeffrey Osborne, and then it ended up being Kim Carnes and James Ingram,
0: which was a great recording were you in the studio or did you just no i was in the studio for all of it were you giving notes to all these other great musicians i was was 19 you were 19 when you were what about me yeah that album was the first time
1: i had anybody record my songs i had three songs on that crazy kenny Kenny rogers i was on the same album so it was what about me was the first single and then crazy was the second single so i had those two songs and i had another song on that kenny rogers album so my rent was paid for Easily five years just from that album because Kenny was still a badass and he was selling, you know, a million to two records. So it was like financial life changed in 1983.
0: I can't imagine 19 years old. First of all, having the ability to write a song that an older person would go, this is mature. This mm-hmm. is a mature song. Right. And we're going to use this on our, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if I wrote something they're like, oh yeah, the, the poop song Rosenbaum, I don't right. think we're going to use that. Right. So, I mean, how do you, Were you, I mean, you were way ahead of your time. Um,
1: I don't know that I would, I guess so. Yeah. I was very mature for my age. So I, I didn't, I wasn't a goofball. I was a pro. I like, I, I knew how to behave in a
0: studio. Cause your dad taught you. My dad taught me. Cause your dad would write jingles. Yeah. And cause you grew up in Illinois. Yeah. Where in Illinois? Uh, outside of Chicago. And so he wrote jingles for like Nestle. Oh my God, hundreds. And you sang on these. Ask any mermaid you happen to see. What's the best tuna?
3: Chicken of the sea. Come on. Called?
1: Yeah. Two scoops of raisins in a package of Kellogg's Raisin Bran. He wrote hundreds Kellogg's
3: of Kellogg's Raisin Bran.
1: Super catchy. And he produced them and arranged them. And then luckily for me, I you know, would be walking around my house at five singing monkeys songs or elvis songs and they noticed that i was singing in tune and little by little my dad would get you know the advertising people would say we've got a we've got a commercial for nestle's crunch bars but we want kids to sing this jingle so my dad was like i'm gonna put richard on this and so i i grew up in the studio i grew up singing jingles and
0: you you i envy you because you just seem fearless Mm. And you just seem like you know. Even when you came in here, I go, "Hey, if you want to play a song, you know, we could edit. We could use. You go. I don't need editing. I'm like, what? <laughs> and you and it's you weren't saying it cocky, but you're like, I, you know, you you're so comfortable. Uh, you should be after all these years. You would think, yeah. But like even me with acting, I still get nervous. I still freak out. I still do these things. There are certain circumstances where I get nervous. When though. do you get nervous?
1: Uh, when I'm going to play on TV. When I'm when I'm going to play live on television. There's a little bit of <clears throat> little nervousness. Sometimes I just can't wait to play. Like, I feel like I'm going to fucking crush this. So you get excited. I get still. really
0: excited. You get pumped up like a good energy. Oh,
1: yeah. But there's still times when I'm about to go out and I think, oh, and I'll register. Oh, yeah, there's going to be like maybe 7 million people or 12 million people, whatever. And I'll go, fuck, okay, I better not fuck this up. But it's very momentary. And I don't ever
0: let it mess with me, really. How? What do you do? Is it meditation? Is it just an innate gift or? It's experience.
1: It's a form of meditation. And the, the experience is that there were times I learned really early on. And maybe you've experienced this too. It's really a common thing. If you're smart about it, self defeating, uh, thinking almost always works. <laughs> you know, if you think you're going to fuck up, you're going to fuck up. And if you think something is not going to happen, it's not going to happen. You're, I've especially in the last five years, I have really learned that what you think is everything.
0: It really is. Yeah.
1: So there were times in my early part of my career where I did some TV stuff and had some bad experiences. I mean, nothing that was like a train wreck or embarrassing that anybody else could notice, but I would hear a note I sang out of tune or something, and then I would think about that note every time I sang that song. And every and I would think, don't fuck up that note, don't fuck up that note. And I would fuck up that note until I kind of went, I'm not going to fuck up that note, and then I was fine. Now it's really just a power of I don't fear failure because I think of, I think in terms of success and not failure. So I don't ever and I was totally kidding you about the editing thing, of course. But, but the truth is, if somebody hands me a guitar, even in the worst of circumstances. My go-to thought is, oh, this is going to be horrible. My go-to thought is, oh, I'm going to fucking rock
0: this. This will be great. To me, if I could learn that, I'd be unstoppable. If I could switch my brain. Why haven't you learned that, do you think? I don't know. I think it's probably you know I I deal with this all the time, and I think I'm going to beat it. I think I'm going to get there because I'm really working on myself now. Like I'm really going after it. Like, hey, what's holding you back? You've already shown that you can do a lot of things. You've had an incredible so, career. So why not? Why are you scared? Why do you have fear? Why does it? Why does failure? scare you so is that much. the fear is that the I, main thing. I think it's like, you know, I I I strive so hard to be perfect, which is an impossibility. Of course,
1: there's no such there's
0: no such thing. No such thing. Like I talked I talked about this before, so you know, just go have a snack if you want to not want to hear it again. But like you know when I go up I was doing stand-up ball last year and I was going up with Joe Rogan and David Spade and Judd apatow and uh Nick Swartz and I was going up and uh you know I was right in the middle and I thought Instead of thinking these guys have been doing it their whole lives, mm-hmm. they've mastered it. They're not. They're fearless. They're, I thought in my feeble fucking mind that I have to be great. I have to prove to them that I belong there. When the reality is, you just started. You're going to be funny, but you're probably not going to be as funny. But be as funny as you can be. I know the the psycho the, the, the psychology of it all. Like I I should go up there and go, dude, you're funny. Your jokes are new. You're going to grow. You're going to get better. And But I put so much pressure on myself that I'd wake up nervous the whole day, fight or flight, oh. until that night. And then I'd go on and actually things would go well. And then I'd feel great. And then I'd recycle the whole thing instead of my mind going why are you doing this again when you know you just succeeded? Right. So there's some psychology there that I've got to break out of and I'm and I'm working on that.
1: Well, I could understand it more if you'd had multiple experiences where you you were nervous and freaking out and then it didn't go well and then you like, "Fuck, I knew it was going to be this way." And then that's a mindset you right. have to break out of. But if you had great experiences, great. that's even more like, "Why are you It's almost like you're kind of willing it to go wrong." rather than be like, it's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep growing and keep getting better. And and the other thing is we we waste so much time we should be enjoying what we're doing by worrying about it. That's right. In terms of live performance, I look at every single show I do as a gift and I'm going to love the shit out of every minute of it. And it has shifted the... Energy in the room. I mean, I'll, I never have. I have no complaints. I always had a great time touring. I, I had, I've always had great audiences. I have. I've had all those wonderful yeah. experiences. But I've f- sensed a shift in the in the connection I have made with every audience. Now, I mean, once in a while there'll be a, there'll be a night when it'll just not be quite as killer. But for whatever reason, but ninety nine percent of the time, I walk off stage and I just can't believe how effortlessly fun it was to really connect not just musically because really my show is really about what happens in between the songs i don't worry about the
0: music anymore. your stories it's the stories it's like yeah and i've been there and i love it you're right when you when you speak about these stories you know usually when you hear other musicians or an actor get up there and go oh so before i know like just play the fucking right, song right exactly but your stories are all interconnected with the, the music that makes it part of the experience
1: that's part of it. it's also just none of them are serious stories they're self-deprecating yep. and, and i i work you know you were talking about doing stand-up i mean it's it's a similar mechanism in that i've had these things happen to me in these stories that, that are funny that are just they're just funny it's just funny shit and then i've worked on the stories to tell them as if I'm doing stand-up almost. So that when I hit that line, to me, I gauge the success of a show every night by the laughs more than the applause from the songs.
0: Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like you're almost like you want your performance like as almost like an actor or a comedian. Absolutely. You want to be funny. You want to be they like you on top of the music. You want to be liked first. Absolutely. I had it's funny I had this
1: conversation recently with Gilbert Gottfried of all people he had uh, he interviewed me and he had done some homework on like watching, which I thought was really cool. He and his producer watched clips of me live. He said, I didn't know that you were funny. Like, <laughs> on stage, like these, these some of these things that you're like, it's like, com- it's truly like comedy. Yeah. In between the songs, like it's a stand-up show. And when I said, yeah, and I, and I, I pay much more attention to that, he was really shocked. But, but of course he gets it and you get it too. It's like, People come to hear X number of songs that I've done, right? Yeah. I might throw in a couple other songs that they don't know, and when those go over really, really well, sometimes you get a standing ovation, sometimes you get this really prolonged ovation that is so
0: sexy, right? Yeah. Look, it'd be fun to play a little bit of something. You don't have to play a whole song, but like a little bit of this, and then maybe something at the end? Yeah, Just sure. a little bit. What do, you, what do you want to play?
1: I'll play whatever you want. You want a little Endless
0: Summer Nights, the song from your... Uh... Oh, yes. Can I intro it like a DJ? Right now, off the coast, 96 WSTO. We've got Richard Mar- You see, Hang on, Richard. So you, you start strumming a little so they could hear the, the beginning while I'm... Okay, yeah, yeah. You know but, what I mean?
1: But, so, it's yeah, you got to time it just so, though, right?
0: Right, right, okay. right. 94.7 WKDQ, off the coast. Richard Marks now with us. An oldie but a goodie, Endless Summer Nights from the movie Back in the Day That Didn't Make a Red Scent.
3: Summer came and left without a warning. All in once I looked and you were gone. Now you're looking back at me. Such a far away than we can be like we were before. Now I'm back to what I knew before you. So now the city doesn't look the same. Give my life for one more night Having you here to hold me tight Oh, please take me there again Whoa so much I can say so please don't run 94.7,
0: 94.7, Richard <laughs> Marks, Off the Coast. Wow, if you if you hadn't heard that song, you're probably going to have that on your playlist. First of all, fuck you. fuck you. Thank you, for, Thank I you mean, very much. I mean, just perfect pitch, perfect tone. <clears throat> like, you really don't need editing. Dude,
1: come on. I'm 55. I've been doing this for 32 yeah, years. Yeah, but how
0: do you sound just like you did?
1: I think, you know what it is? My honest answer is, it's a muscle, and if you, it's the use it or lose it. And a lot of people, when they don't tour that much or they don't sing that much anymore, it's just going to go to shit. I'm, I do, you know, eighty, ninety shows a year. I'm always singing. I'm always. Do you play this song just by yourself?
0: Yeah, like most of the shows I do are just solo acoustic shows. I mean, now it's a little bit more band shows. No, but... no, I meant, do you know them so well that you don't even go out and do them until you get on stage, or do you actually go? I'm going to go through this. M- oh, no, 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 no. Never anymore. No, only if I'm going to do a song
1: that's newer. Right. Or an old song that I haven't played in years. Right. But no, I don't. Like, if I'm off for two weeks, I don't need to. Like, I don't even sound check. My my guy always knows what levels. He knows what you want. You know, I, I get there, I have a little sip of a martini, and I walk on stage and have a blast.
0: A little sip of martini. Is it a half a martini? It's about a half a martini. And
1: then I probably
0: will drink a half a martini on stage. And, and it then just keeps 11, loose. Martinis the and 11 martinis after the show. And 11 martinis after. Now you you never had a problem with any drugs or any you know no. you never did any of that stuff. No, I'm working on it. You <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it now. My liver had it way
1: too good for too long.
0: How many people know the uh the Lionel Richie story? I think a lot of Is people. Is that people like, know. you know, that Lionel Richie like you had a tape yeah. and somehow you got it to Lionel Richie and Lionel Richie called you and you didn't think it was Lionel Richie and he said come out. Yeah. You were how old? 18. 18. In Chicago, just graduated from graduate high school. High school.
1: My phone rings. I, I, I had written four songs total that I had demoed because my dad's studio. And, and I had to pay for it. I had to, pay, had to pay for it out of my own savings account. My dad was like, you can use my studio, but you got to pay for it. It's
3: like, you're my fucking
0: dad,
1: <laughs> man. And like, it was just know. you and a guitar. No, it was I hired studio musicians that were pl- the guys that played on the jingles. So I had this demo tape of four songs. Any of the songs I would know are no, just like they're songs that never went anywhere. Right. Um, but they were my first four songs that I felt were at least worth trying to record. Right. And this was 81, I guess. Lionel Richie was leaving, just leaving the Commodores to do his first solo
0: record. The big record.
1: The big, well, I mean, he had several. But I Running mean, With The Night was on this, though. No, that was Can't Slow Down. That was Cancel Down. That was the second album. The uh-huh. first album was You Are Truly.
3: Oh, yeah. My love, just, just thinking, thinking about, about you, baby, it just, just blows my mind. Love that jam.
1: A friend of mine from high school who was a year older than me had graduated and was going to college at uh, Duke. His roommate knew a guy who knew a guy who knew the Commodores, somebody in the Commodores organization. This is like six people removed. My friend says, Hey, I've played your tape for my roommate, and he's going to send it to his friend who knows a guy who knows, <laughs> right? And you're thinking, Not a chance. I used to say that. All the time, for for decades, when I would tell the story, I would go, I just, I knew that there was like no chance. And, and then when Lionel Richie did call me, because my phone number was written on the back of the cassette, four weeks, five weeks, maybe even longer later, like a lot of time went by and the phone rings and it's Lionel Richie saying, I heard this tape and he was very encouraging and awesome guy. I, when I told that story for probably 20 something years, I would say, I couldn't believe it. That's a lie. I knew he was going to call me. I believed that this was gonna change everything for me. I wasn't cocky about it in my head and like I didn't even really admit it to myself. You just really believed that you I, had this talent. But if I it wasn't even about my talent, it was, um, this is gonna sound so touchy feely hippie shit, but it comes back to what you think. And what I've learned in the last, you know, especially the last five years, in doing a lot of work on my own brain, I didn't feel comfortable admitting things like that to myself when I was young because I thought I was gonna mm-hmm. jinx it. You know, I would think to myself, I can't think I'm going to win the Grammy for song of the year because then I won't like it's punishment or something. Right. But the truth was, even though I kind of had that fear, I still believed it. And almost every single thing that I would think that's going to happen, that fucking happened
0: because I, be- I believed it would happen. Celestein prophecy shit. Totally. That's a great book. Totally. And it's the power of thought. It's the power of like the energy that you create. I remember I feel like I had that, but I had it at a young age, and I want to get that back, but I had yeah. that I had that thing where I was like, there's this guy, his name uh, was Leo Burmester. He was in like a bunch of movies, and he was kind of a mentor, but he came to Western Kentucky University to talk to the class, theater department, and I saw that he was in, oh my God, he was in the abyss, and he was this, and I'm like, oh my, I go, he's going to come here, and he's going to see my ability, and he's going to tell me to come to New York. I swear to God, I remember thinking this. And only seniors were allowed to do a monologue in front of Leo. And you were? Well, no, I wasn't a senior. So I went in there. I go, hey, look, man, I pay money, or my grandma paid money to go to this school to help me. And uh, it wasn't a lot. I barely got in. It was was small Western Kentucky University. I love the school. It really helped me out. But I said, I want to do a monologue. Please let me do a monologue. I got to do a monologue. Okay, you can be the last one. And five seniors got to do their monologues and he kind of gave notes to a couple of them and then after, and then I was last and he came up to me and then he goes, do it this way. And I did it again, do it this way, did it again. Now the class is starting to stir and going, what the hell's going on? Do it this way. At the end, I was crying doing the monologue. It completely wasn't comedic anymore. It was like dramatic. And he looked at me quietly and goes, you have it. You have got what it takes. It's all right here in your heart. And never forget that, that you have what it takes. And then I remember my professor, Dr. Combs, he called me in his office. He says, I don't even know why. I know you're talented, but Leo said that he's the one. He's the (laughs) one that's going to go somewhere. And he did. And sure enough, Leo called me and said, hey, if you want to come to New York, I'll introduce you to my agent. And all these things that I imagined in my head were happening. And so somehow along this journey, I'm 46 now, I'm like, how do I get that feeling back? I'm sure there was a song called trying to wait who was that trying uh, to get the feeling again Baron manalo wasn't it <laughs> right. trying to get the feeling yeah. again. uh and you know it's 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 that but do you still feel that do you still have that like hey this is going to happen this is going to work out do you do you still feel as
1: yeah I, I mean the only thing i would say is maybe a little different is that i feel i'm i'm much more balanced with it because i have been so fortunate so many times in so many different ways yeah that i now how do I explain it? It's not that I don't see things or experience things or think about things that I would really love to have happen and kind of try to manifest them and just focus on them and think positively about them. Right. But there's nothing that's that crucial
0: anymore. What do you mean crucial? I mean um, – Like you, you're, you're at the Heidi – I mean you've had so much success that – do you want to get any bigger than you are or the success? No, you... no. What I could
1: easily do, like there are some friends of mine who uh, had you know, great success, if not even bigger success than I did at the same time, Right. who cannot accept that we're not on the radio anymore or that we're not going to have hits anymore. I can easily accept it. I feel like that's the way the business works. Pop radio is for young people. Pop radio shouldn't play a 55-year-old man, even though I'm making music right now that I feel like is some of the best things I've ever done and like totally if it wasn't me if it wasn't Richard Marx, and we just put it out under a fake name and I had a picture of some good looking young kid it would probably do really well but I don't begrudge that because I had so much reward in my life and in my career that it tempers my willingness to be like, I want more I want this I want that so really where it really um, matters to me is more personal stuff. Somebody's close to me is dealing with health issues, you know. I have to really be focused on being positive about it and thinking about them being better. Because if I get hung up on worrying and thinking, what if they don't make it? Or what if it gets worse or whatever? So that that's how that has – I could give a fuck about songs or career achievements at this point when it comes to thinking, right. you know. Because I've been so lucky. Everything is an extra little gift. You know, I'm going to open for Barbra Streisand on July 7th at Hyde Park. And that's a huge thing. You know I mean? That's going to be a really, really special thing for me. You know, this Friday night I'm playing with the Nashville symphony. I'm playing my songs. I made up with, with one of the greatest symphonies in the world behind me. And I've done symphony shows before, but the Nashville symphony is just fucking world class. All these things that experiences that still show up in my life are just these great gifts. So I, I really feel like when it comes to the thing that we're really focusing on, which is the, the way we think and what we want to draw in into our lives, it it's all fine. Like I'm not hung up about it anymore. I don't really work too hard on what I'm thinking or how I'm thinking. Only when it comes to personal stuff, or, or
0: because it's also exhausting. It's exhausting, it's exhausting. too. You just re- mentally wear yourself out, wanting, wanting, wanting so much. When it's just like, hey. If you got the ability, you've got to take a step back. Yeah. It's not like take a step back and like you're know, not trying, but it's right. it's more like you're A, being too hard on yourself. You're probably putting too much energy into something that you shouldn't, yeah. which is the thing I have. But, yeah. It's I like know.
1: I remember, um, I hadn't thought about this analogy, but there was this um, woman that I knew many years ago. So she was in her 20s. Beautiful girl. And she was in LA trying to make it as an actress. She had a period of like, a year where she got a part in this and she got a part in that and then she was in this little movie and and she was really cute and and kind of, she was pretty, she was okay. But she was just typical. There was nothing special about her, you know? And then she had this couple of little opportunities and then I think people in the industry were kind of like, yeah, no, she's fine but there's nothing unique about her and then it kind of went away. And years go by, 10 years, 11 years and every time I would run into her she would go, I really feel like this is going to be my year. I really feel like this is going to be my year and I felt so bad for her because and i i have no it would be arrogant for me to say that i knew knew but i thought you don't really believe it you can't really believe it it'd be like me saying i i'm gonna play for the lakers next year okay really you know what i mean like some you have to be somewhat realistic about the way you're thinking
0: yeah i agree with that and sometimes i you know i have friends that um you know are still like you know i still want to be an actor i still want to do this i'm like you know I try to sway them in a way. Like you don't want to get in front of someone's dreams. Right. Like but you also as a friend have to say, "Listen. You've been busting your ass yeah. and nobody's worked as hard as you." But you know there comes a time when you're like, "Hey, like you're also really good at this." Right. And you're great at that. It means so much to people and this, why don't you put all your energy in that and then you won't be so dissatisfied with or or discouraged or you know,
1: it's... or maybe, maybe more importantly, what I ch- try to say to people, because even that a little bit is is dissuading. I'll, I'll say, why don't you try to focus more on just being open to anything,
3: mm, yeah.
1: rather than say, "Fuck that, pursue that," because then that, if that is a dead end, then it's all eggs in that basket. Yeah. But you said you're gonna
0: open for Barbara Streisand, and I thought, God, wouldn't it be cool if like Richard could sing, like at, talk to her and go, "Hey, can I play a song that you're not singing?" A Barbara Streisand song, my own way for for Barbara as an opener. Would you ever consider that? Like, what what song would it be? Would it be "Coming In and Out of Your Life"? No, it wouldn't be that it one. Isn't easy. No, Let me think no, of another one. It wouldn't be that one. Would it be um, "The Main Event"? No, it's not, <laughs> it's not the main event. <laughs> not uh, it's come on. It's got to be something like
1: what? What would it be? She did this song that was kind of a hit in the seventies. Oh, this is actually a really great story about Barbara Streisand. Cause I've known her for 30 years now and we're neighbors. So we, we actually hang out and we've kind of gotten to the point where only every once in a while will I be talking to her or she'll be saying something. And I'll go, fuck, it's Barbara. <laughs> Cause it's just Barbara. You know, yeah. we went to yum yum donuts together. You know I mean? It's like, Dude. she's an amazing person. First of all, she, the, her reputation and the I love stuff her. that I'm people, in love with her. the people that, that say the shit about her, they don't know her. You know, she's a really kind, funny, cool, smart woman so when I first got to know her really early on I had to confess to her and I can't believe I did this I said by the way I got to tell you you did an album called Superman I was 13 and my dad bought the album my dad would was buy.
0: Was that a, her in a little pair of skivvies Fuck Yes.
1: With the long legs? Yeah. How do and I she was remember wearing a that? Superman yes! white t shirt and white I, I short have the shorts. Album.
0: I have it in there.
1: And I said to her, I said to <laughs> her face, I said, first of all, and I mentioned songs on the album that I thought were so great. And I said, but that album cover and the, especially the back cover <laughs> helped me through puberty.
3: And oh my she God. looked at me and
1: she went, Really? <laughs> I went, Absolutely. And then, so from that point on, it's become a running joke where I'll say, like, we email each other a lot sometimes, and I'll be, I'll say, Oh, I, I saw so and so, or I did an interview and I talked about you today. And she go, Did you tell them the dirty things you did with my album cover? Oh, my God. It's so funny that, that we have this cool That thing. How cool is but
0: that? How cool is that? But there's
1: a song on that album. Is uh, it's it known? amazing. Yeah, it was a
0: hit. It was called My Heart Belongs to Me. Oh, my God. How, I couldn't even imagine singing that song. That's, That's a hard song. song to sing.
3: But now, my love, hey, didn't I love you? Oh, my love. oh yeah.
0: Dude, that's a hard song to sing. Yeah, but it's a gr- really good. Could you song. sing that? You think? Yeah, I would. Wor- I would work it out. To You'd a... work it out to your, you know. Yeah,
1: your... but I don't remember at all. I would figure out the chords, and um, but yeah, it's amazing I remember any of those songs because of the album cover. You'd think it would just sort of. <laughs> I had I had crushes that were not typical when I was a teenager. I mean, I of course I was hot for Farrah Fawcett and you know Cheryl Teagues and but. I was, like for those few years when Barbara Ryan, did that.
0: Oof. Meg Ryan yeah, Meg Ryan, Cole
1: Kidman back in the day. And uh, Carly Simon I thought was really oh, yeah. sexy. Like, that really song hot. was written about Warren Beatty, right? I think she said it was, What yeah. song was it, You're So Vain? You're So Vain. We all thought it was about Mick, because Mick's on it. Right. But she finally said she wrote it about Warren Beatty. What's your
0: favorite Carly Simon song? Mine's the sad You Belong one. to Me. Oh yeah, that's a great song. That was redone by, remade by someone amazing. Well, she wrote it with Michael McDonald, and there's a Doobie you Brothers. Ver- to me. The Doobie Brother, ver- the Doobie him, version of that is really tell, good.
1: Tell her. He kind of talks the way and he sings. We he even marry <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, my own. Do
1: you want to hear something? Yes. Here's a scoop.
0: You know who wrote that song? Wasn't how it was. Um, no, on my own. Patty, it was Patty Austin, Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle and and. and- Michael McDonald who, wrote, who it? wrote it mm. Burt Bacharach Mm-mm. do
1: you know who I've been writing songs with Burt Backrack.
0: you wrote songs for everybody I mean you wrote songs for Chicago didn't you uh yeah and and Lionel Richie story which we didn't finish but the Lionel Richie story which what I love hearing is that you were kind of sitting in the studio and these other performers were singing and they couldn't get what Lionel wanted is that right yeah and then Lionel was like and what song was that you uh this uh
3: you are the ring. that makes my life
0: this foolish. And so you go, didn't you say, I can do that? No. You didn't say no, that, because that would have been an ego thing. Yeah, You, no, you were waiting, never. though, for him to say, can you do it? I was not expecting
1: it. In fact, he had told me, he invited me over to the studio, because he really encouraged me to move to L.A. And I was, I was like three months away from graduating from high school. And he actually said to me, because, dude, if I were you, hearing these songs and hearing your voice, this take your shot. This is a young man's business. You can always go back to college because I was going to go to Northwestern. And I was like, fuck Northwestern. I'm going to Hollywood. And my parents, not shockingly, went, you absolutely need to go to LA and try it there because you can, you know. If it, you know I mean, not- if Lionel Richie's calling your son, it, you know. Right. But, but here's the important thing. He was not saying to me, I have a job for you. He right, was right. saying, I, he even said to me, I don't have anything for you. I can't you I can't help you personally like I'm covered with everything I'm doing but you need to be in LA if if it's going to happen for you you got to be where it's at it's not going to happen for you there so he just encouraged me to move out right so I took that advice I come out to LA with no job with nothing and I'm just like I'm going to start from scratch I don't know really what I'm going to do but he said when you come to LA you know hit me up it's just let me know that you're around
0: you, you had it he gave yourself
1: he gave me his number but you still have a yeah, different number it's definitely changed since 1981 right so I called him and he said hey I'm I'm at A&M which is now Hanson Studios on La Brea he said come down tomorrow afternoon you know and so I get there and he just happens to be doing background vocals on that song you are I was with my dad my dad kind of helped me get set up in my apartment and he was about to go home the next day so my dad and I are just sitting on the couch in the control room and I'm watching and I overhear that they've been working on the background vocals on this song for three days in a row. For it to have been three hours would have been ridiculous. But three days, they couldn't find the blend they wanted. Lionel wasn't happy with it. They were keep trying. They were switching parts. They were doing all this. And I could see he was really frustrated. He was out there singing with this group of two other people. Right. And all of a sudden, he looks at me through the glass. You can really hear me on this song, actually.
0: Where should I forward to At the end. Go to the very end. Because then you can
1: really hear me. Check it out right here. That's me right there. That's you? Totally me.
0: I want to hear that again. Hold on.
1: You can totally hear me. Oh my gosh. So he points to me. He looks at me for a second, and I can see him looking at me, and he points to me through the glass and he goes, Come here. And I turned around like he was, I thought he was pointing to somebody else. He No, Richard, come out here. So I go out into the studio and he goes, have you like been listening to what we're doing? I said, yeah. And he said, okay, I want you to try singing my part. And Deborah, you sing this part. He switched parts and he left the group and had me sing his part and he switched the other parts. He goes in the control room. We put the headphones on. They hit play. We hit that chorus. We sing it together. And he hits the talkback and he goes, that's the sound I wanted. You did one take? One take. And then we finished the record. But But the first time we sang it, he hit the talk back and i'll never forget he went that's the sound i wanted and it and i remember in retrospect it's like my life changed and when he hit the talk back and said that if i hadn't had that if, if that had not transpired probably he would have hugged me and said you know good luck it was so nice to finally meet you you know st- st- come around sometime whatever instead i was now the background the new background singer on that record and I, and he the other incredible thing he did for me he, I sang on like four songs on that record, but he said to me, just so you know, whether you're in here singing or not, you're welcome to be here. And I said, really? And he went, yeah. And I said, no, I mean, really? Because I'll fucking be here every day. And he goes, you're welcome to be. So every day I went to the studio. When he was in the studio, I was at the studio and I just watched. I watched them make that
0: record. And you learn more. In I those learned days. more. It
1: was like going to record producing school, like like the the Primo College. I watched him interact with musicians. I, I saw Joe Walsh come in and play a guitar solo, who would four years later play a guitar solo on my record that changed my career. I met different people through that experience. I, Kenny these, Rogers, was through that, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I and mean, that was like, that was like a year later that Lionel recommended me to Kenny Rogers as a background singer, and then I ended up getting songs cut by him, but. I met Jesus. Greg Gaines, the keyboard player, who's still a great friend of mine to this day. And these, these guys that I had worshipped from reading their names on the back of album credits, they were all in the room with Lionel. And it was just, it was unbelievable. Well, luck is a commodity of
0: preparation and opportunity. Right, when preparation and opportunity collide. Because you have the ability, you have the talent, You were prepared. Right. I could have shit the bed and that would have been that. You can't just be like, I'm at Lionel Richie and here I am and have no ability to back it up. Right. You backed it up. Well, he Uh, gave me the opportunity and I was able to do, and it
1: just just happened that that was what he was looking for. It was also, I think, all humility aside, it was that I was a really versatile singer as a session singer. I could sing really high, powerful high, and then I could sing really even higher than that, like BG's falsetto high, so I could sound like a girl. Can you and, still do that? Oh yeah. You
0: could still go high.
1: So high. <laughs> yeah, like it's easy. What about lows? I mean, my voice has dropped a bit, so I mean yeah, but those if you listen to my first you album. The sun. If you, you listen to my first album, I sound like a girl. Like I hadn't toured. I didn't have that road
0: weariness in my What's voice. your favorite song you've ever written? Hazard? No. <laughs> you like how I answered it? Hazard? <laughs> Hazard, right? <laughs> I would say another one. You'd be,
1: no, that's incorrect.
0: Um, I do love hazard. Your favorite song I don't have you've one. ever written. I don't know. What's one. the f- one you love playing the most? Oh.
1: It's a good question.
0: I think Angelia e is way up there. Oh yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, that's such a great song. Yeah, I love and that song. And you know song. what's funny is I forgot about that song until I went to see your concert, and I yeah. go, oh my God, that's him. Yeah. You know? You get a lot of that. Yeah. By people like, Wait, you sing that? Right. Yeah, totally. Should have known better? Yeah. Do you like playing that one? Yeah, I love that one. I love all of them. There's
1: none of them that I don't like to play. But I And I think it's because I like them all so much still, and I'm so grateful for them. That's the real thing is that I, to be able to look down at a set list of 17 songs Jeez. and have 16 of them be top 20 hits, <laughs> like fuck I'm so grateful for that you
0: yeah. know? Have you ever played a, med- a medley Of your songs could you do like a Like a five song just a little bit of something And a little bit of that a little bit of this uh, I have I, I You don't really, like medleys I, don't, I like medleys. don't like medleys I don't like Prince once did a medley I don't of like all, And I was like what the fuck I wanted to hear that whole song Yeah I don't I generally don't do that It's kind
1: of weird isn't it No I mean it's fine if you know but there's certain People that do that and I
0: And when they do it I'm like
1: you know Just play the song
0: now you went through a lot of shit because you were, you were married for 25 years. Yeah. And you probably don't talk about this a lot. No, never. No, but you're married for 25 years. And I know when that ended, it probably was the lo- one of the lowest points in your life. Oh right? yeah. It was horrible. I mean, how do you, how do you come back from that? And what gets you through something like that? Um, I guess the first
1: thing would be knowing internally that it was the right thing to do. Like if, Every, I think everybody, especially if you've been in a long relationship and that relationship ends, whether you ended it or, they, or the other person ended it, there's a period of freak out, like this is a mistake because you're so used to being in that relationship that it clouds whether or not that was really a, a relationship that should have continued. And it took me a little – not too long, luckily – I dealt with every range of emotion until I really started to go. No, this is the right thing, and it had nothing to do with my love for her. Or, um, in fact, I look at my. You just said I was married for twenty five years. I was with her for twenty nine years. That was a really, really successful relationship. Yeah, one of the most successful relationships I've ever heard of. Three amazing kids who I'm ridiculously close to. They all I know. Uh, You know them all. Yeah. Um, So I. I've become um somewhat matter-of-fact about the fact that when we met we had kids we had a really we had tremendous highs in that relationship some tr- really wonderful time together I have the utmost respect for her and I wish her nothing but happiness so there's not it's not an ugly it you know it certainly wasn't always that way the first year or two was like it was really rough but I I learned really quickly that I was Making a decision that I really believe was the right decision for us to not be together anymore, and so. Um, How hard are you on
0: yourself when it comes to those things? I,
1: better now, but but back then I was I was really bad, really brutal and mean to myself.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember just like you know hanging out with you at the time, and I could just tell you, you know, like you like you're one of those guys who you don't want to hurt someone. You don't want no. you know you always. You you know you're a people pleaser, but not only that, but you like when you really love someone deeply. It's like you know I, I could tell that you know you were you, you know you were obviously going through. Oh it. yeah, it was and, a very painful time. Yeah, and um, are you able to talk now? Is it amicable at all? Yeah, amicable. It's amicable.
1: I mean, we don't really we don't. It's not well, like not, like, hey,
0: let's go hang out. No, right, right, right. I would love to see that happen, but it's all
1: very amicable, and we share great relationships with our sons. You know, and I, I actually check in on her through them more than anything else. Sure. So there's no, um, you know, it's there's definitely, at least on my side, there's nothing about like, you know, don't talk about your mother or like, I'm always going, so what's up with your mom? Like, uh, how's she doing? Or did she, uh, what's up with her yeah. dad? See, I don't deal
0: with that. I deal with uh, both of them constantly talking negative about each other, all terrible things about each other. Yeah. Yeah. My dad like, oh, this. And then my mother going, oh, your fucking father. And that's like. It's it, that's how it's that's always horrible. been. It's horrible. It's horrible. Did they do it's, that to your brother too? Um, Yeah, and I just say, hey, stop. Yeah. I don't want to hear about that. You want to talk to me about my life? That's great, but don't talk about anybody else.
1: What feels really, really great to me, my sons have never heard a crossword about their mother from me. And I absolutely believe that, yeah. yeah. So that's important, and I think that, because of course, even though my marriage to their mother ended, my relationship with them is absolutely forever. Like, why would I want to be the guy that, First of all, I have nothing to badmouth her about. Right. But even if there are things that have ha- that have transpired or whatever, when people get divorced and shit happens, it would be so easy to say to one of my kids, you know, you're, 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 that's just anathema to me. That's like, that's the shittiest thing you can do. And if I did, I would hope that they would turn to me and go,
0: shut the fuck up. Shut babe. the fuck up. Um, I remember also I like to go on different tangents but like the Lionel Richie concert we went to together was awesome oh yeah that's because right you're like oh, I was on that one I go really what, what, what other one did you run running with the night he's such a nice guy and then huh? you met him because you sent me a picture of you guys yeah together. and he was like oh man of course I'm. oh I mean, what a what an amazing story. How many people, like, you think somebody would say, hey, come in the studio? Like, f- that shit doesn't happen. It doesn't, first of all, it doesn't happen like, yeah, fly out to L.A., look me up, call me, come in the studio. Yeah, sing on this. It's such a random thing that you don't hear those kind of stories. They're, they're, they're not a lot of those stories. And then it turns out to be you become one of the biggest artists ever. I mean, especially during the 80s yeah. and 90s. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. But I had so much of, uh, I mean, again, I don't want. To, I don't mean to completely harp on the
1: on the thinking, manifesting thing, but. I like it. Dude, when I think about everybody that I really admired, either a hero or somebody that I really, really admired, with the exception of Elvis Presley, who died when I was 12, I have either met, become friends with, or worked with, or all of the above. Every single one of them.
0: That's a, that's a great life to work with people that you admire and then become friends with them. And like yeah. it you is, a it's lot cool. Of yeah, and I do that too. And I, but you know, it's funny because this show, like I, I do it and I, I started doing it just because I, I you know, I'll start. A, and then it became something else. It became like purpose. Like we talked about real things and like how powerful the mind is. And it's not just about oh, what are you doing now? And it's, I don't know. It just became something that helps me and helps people who are listening. And they're just like. It's just a new perspective. Yeah. You good. know, at least I think. That's um good. what other song you want to play for us? Uh, we could do Don't Me Nothing. Yeah?
1: yeah? Yeah, why not? We were just talking about it. Unless there's something else you want.
0: I mean, I love that one. I mean what they're do, all easy for you, we could aren't we? Should've
1: known better. We could do um Don't Me Nothing. We could do uh um, nothing's too slow though.
0: Should've should have known better. You wanna do should've known better? Ninety four. STO. We got a great song here. Should have known better. How many times have you heard that? Richard, Richard Marks off the coast.
3: Another sleepless night I can't explain. Somebody said they heard me call your name. The radio won't let you leave my mind. I know it's over, but I know. Just a faded memory Should have known better I'm a prisoner to this pain And my heart still aches for you yeah. There was no risk that I wouldn't take Not a promise that i All I asked was that you just hold on Now I'm wondering if I did wrong Should've known better Than to fall in love, love with, with you. you Now love is just a faded memory. memory Sing it Should've known better Yeah I'm a prisoner to this pain Come on My heart still lives for you It's been a million years since I touched you I thought time might help me win this game But being away from you is slowly driving me insane Should've known better Than to fall in love with you Now I just a faded memory Should've known better to this my heart still yeah. Ninety
0: four point seven Richard Marks just keeps on ooh, fucking ooh, killing it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dude, this has been an absolute freaking treat. I mean Dude,
1: it was fun. Sorry, it took so long for me to.
0: No, no, this get over is here. this is this is honestly. Sorry, epic. it took so long this, for you to get inside me. This is one of the most. How much fun are you having, Tyler? Tyler's over here engineering the Tyler's show.
1: Eleven years old, he's like, I don't fucking know any of this shit, man. It was great, dude. I don't, I mean, I, I, but it was great. I
0: still can't believe, like, I should believe it, but like listening to you and the, I mean, this isn't the ideal. But you, what the fuck? You sound so good, thanks, buddy. It's Did so I'm funny con- to
1: sit next to somebody when I'm playing a song that was a hit before he was even in his dad's balls
0: yeah you weren't even in your dad's balls tyler how old are you now 25 so i could be his father yep is are
1: there you something, is there something you want to say is there something you want to
0: announce <laughs> no no well tyler i'd be happy to be your father oh thank in you in fact call me dad for the next you want yeah, you you to it. You have kids or you, you're the, i think i'm getting old now mm-hmm. but uh you know there's been a, cu- a couple of close moments not with pregnancy but with mm-hmm. women that i really liked Um, uh, you know i'd like to find someone but yeah i, I love having someone around i love have you know being able to do something With someone uh And you're happily married now Yep Things are going when well you, Awesome did, When you find yeah. someone Yeah Are you gonna say
3: I found someone <laughs> Are
1: you gonna just like Blurt it out
3: Maybe I
0: should Yeah why not Yeah uh, Dude Richard Marks This has been a real treat I don't know what else to say But we have to end it here This is You played two beautiful songs You gave your heart out You were honest And The last open. one by the way Is uh the song I play When somebody says Would you come Would you consider
1: s- singing at our wedding should have known better, <laughs> <Should've> known better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love with you. uh what was i gonna say so where can people see you where are you going in the next can- everywhere get, just look him up on on twitter where are you uh twitter richard marks
1: uh instagram the richard marks my website has all the the tour dates we're playing is uh, it richard.com all- marks.com yeah i was i, I should have been brianadams.com but it was already taken um <laughs> And I'm doing more shows with Rick, Springfield, and then I'm going to, I'm doing a South American tour in the fall and back to Europe in the spring. And just, I'm playing like nonstop. And I, oh, and a new album coming out in the fall.
0: What's that called? It's,
1: we don't know what it, the album's probably gonna be called Limitless, but um, the first single, which is coming out pretty soon, I'm so excited about, it's called Another One Down, and I wrote it with my son, Lucas, Aww. and he produced it.
0: Dude, you're awesome. Let's go take a picture and a video. You got it.